The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome to another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake. Thank you for joining us once again this week. This is episode 15 of our third season of the show. In case you're not aware, this is a high school football podcast about what else? High school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. Like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. You can also find new episodes every Wednesday on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Download us there. we got a lot of sound this week for you. We'll talk to head coach Chris Beck of the Williamstown Yellow Jackets and head coach Nathan Tanner of the Parkersburg South Patriots. Two coaches that were off last week unexpectedly because of the COVID metrics map. We'll tell you how they adjusted and how they've made changes and what's going on with those teams as they go into the last couple weeks of the regular season. And for Williamstown, a big, big matchup this week against Wheeling Central. We'll talk much more about that, some schedule changes for you as well. First, let's take a look at last week's games. Parkersburg absolutely blasted John Marshall 54-14. If you'd have asked me this time last week what I thought the score would be, that's not what I would have picked. I saw John Marshall earlier this year. Their defense didn't seem to have that many deficiencies on it. On top of that, that seemed to be a running game that could give any running game in the state a pretty good go. That's not what happened. The PHS defense shut down John Marshall, holding a strong Monarch rushing attack to just 103 rushing yards. They've got a pretty good one-two punch in the backfield. But more so, the story of this game is Bryson Singer. Six touchdowns for Singer, four of them through the air, and three of those to Carter King. More on King in a minute. And Singer, between his running and his passing, accounted for nearly 440 total yards of offense. Now to King, five grabs, 100. 44 yards, hauling in three of Singer's four touchdown passes in the game. But Singer's numbers just keep getting better and better and better every week. How about this stat? He had those 220 rushing yards on just 10 carries. He averaged 22 yards a carry. Averaged. Helps that he had touchdown runs of 54 and 74 yards. That'll goose that average just a little bit. But still great numbers for Bryson Singer. And making that connection with Carter King that continues to develop and grow each week. But at this point with Singer, you have to wonder what does he have to do or how close is he to entering the conversation for the Kennedy Award. It doesn't always go to the best senior in West Virginia high school football. That's not a perfunctory thing. There is some room for Singer to get this as a junior. I don't know that he would be the strongest candidate this year. There are some good senior candidates for that. This is the first off-the-charts kind of game that Singer's had. If Singer had put together three or four more of these, I think maybe you're talking Kennedy Award as a possibility as a junior. But say he does this another week or in the playoffs in a big game against somebody, I think I think you have to at least think that he's an outside contender for the award. He may wind up further down someone else's ballot than the top spot. That wouldn't surprise me if Singer gets some votes in some regard for this and gets a mention somewhere for this, especially as the team has success. As this team has success, so goes their visibility, and as goes their visibility goes his opportunity to get noticed and to get seen and considered by people outside this area. I could rally around Bryson Singer. I'm not sure that Kennedy War voters are going to listen to me. We talk about it on Countdown to Kickoff each week, it seems like, more and more. We talk about it on this show every week. I really think what you have to do to put yourself in contention is get ink. You have to have your local sports writers writing about you so that other sports writers recognize what you're doing and why you're writing for them. And I think going to bat for somebody as a media member means putting them in your publication, not so much getting in front of a room of your peers and shouting your head off until 
until they either listen or don't listen because the second one's probably what's going to happen. You have to walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk. If you're going to talk these people up, you've got to put them in print. And I think right now, if the print publications of the state are talking about Bryce and Singer, that's what's going to get him on that Kennedy radar screen. And I'm not saying he's there now. This is certainly an eye-popping game. Six touchdowns, 440 total yards of a team's offense with your legs in your arm. That's an eye-popping game. As Sheriff Buford T. Justice would say in Smoking the Bandit, that's an attention grabber. And for Singer, he's put the rest of the state on notice. He's got two games in the regular season left. Jefferson this week and Parkersburg South, a rivalry game next week. So if you can do big things in that, especially the South game, and do that on that kind of a stage, then I think he certainly garners some attention. And if you have a big playoffs, who knows? So there is still time for that script to be written this season for Bryson Singer. As far as John Marshall goes, you have to wonder if that wasn't a flash in the pan. I thought they were a little bit better earlier in the year when we saw them against Parkersburg South. Their three losses are to teams with a combined 14-5 and record. This is a 5-3 and John Marshall team, by the way. They've lost three times, and the teams they've lost to are 14-5. and Their five wins are over teams with a combined 5-29 and record, and no one they've beaten has won more than once. So John Marshall, the classic story of they got a good record, but they haven't beat anybody. Parkersburg making a statement with their 40-point win over a John Marshall team that's got a lot of good players on that roster. Ritchie County picked up another win. They built a 30-6 halftime lead on their way to a 38-13 win over Roan County, and they got some double-A bonus points for that as well, and it's not a bad Roan County team. Their schedule's been way janked up because of a COVID case on the team, and they played Monday of last week and then again on Friday, and they're just trying to get games in. But Ritchie County caught them and put Roan in a 30-6 hole at halftime, and they beat them rather decisively going away. Gus Morrison caught a couple touchdown passes, ran for a touchdown, four grabs for 81 yards in the passing game, seven rushes for 116 yards. Ritchie County also got 100 yards on the ground from Dakota Wayne, 15 carries there. Ritchie County was without a few starters because of contact tracing, and that could be an issue for a lot of teams as we get set for the postseason. If we're relying on county health departments, as we've talked about a couple times throughout this season, if we're relying on county health departments, some counties have some different standards than others. Like, there are some counties where if there's a case in the school, shutters go closed, and that school's out. We've seen that happen on Friday to a couple games, including Parkersburg South's opponent this week, Wheeling Park. They were supposed to play Brook. That game was called off by a health department at the 11th hour. So, an unexpected buy for Wheeling Park. So, it just depends on where you are in this state as to whether or not your game gets played if you're in or around COVID, be it a coach, a teacher, a parent, a player. There are some situations, I think, where you definitely shut everything down. Like if a player on the team has it, that is probably one I would consider worthy of being shut down. And and I'm not here to argue for shutting a team down completely or quarantining off individual players or whatnot. I'm not a policymaker, and that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to point out that there is seemingly an inconsistency and how that's done county to county, school to school, and that could be an issue as we get near the playoffs. Is a team going to be taken out by their own health department in the hours leading up to a game? That's a real possibility, and it could be a real heartbreaking way for a season to end. But either way, keep an eye on contact tracing affecting teams. Ritchie County was down a couple starters in this game, and that could very well happen to them again this week against Gilmer County. But they got 100-plus yards rushing from Gus Morrison and Dakota Wayne, and speaking of contact tracing, that's why you have multiple threats. I'm not saying that Ritchie County's threats were taken away because of the COVID tracing, but there is a possibility that the person you lose could be an integral player. 
regulars. So that's why you need to develop multiple threats. And if you're not using whatever regular season you have to develop those threats for the postseason, then you're not doing it right this year. You need to have multiple options. St. Mary's rolled over South Harrison 54-6 and maybe the Blue Devils' most complete game of the year. They got a pick six defensively from Brennan Boron. We don't talk about him enough defensively, but he got a pick six on defense. Offensively, Boron ran for three touchdowns and threw for another. They got a second straight 100-yard effort from Trey Moss, two touchdowns, 10 carries, 122 yards. Do the math, it's 12.2 a carry. Not bad for Mr. Moss when you're ripping off a first down, a touch. And Ben Long also hauled in a 73-yard touchdown pass on his only reception of the night. St. Mary's rolled. This game was out of hand early. I didn't get to listen to this game until about 8 o'clock on Friday. I had a bye week because Parker's Rick South didn't play, so I wasn't doing anything Friday. I was into something else and the World Series was on. So I didn't get to sit down and listen to this game until about 8 o'clock, and by that point, the game was over. It was halftime, and turn out the lights, the party's over, essentially. But St. Mary's rolls, they get a 54-6 to win over South Harrison. The defense held South Harrison 114 total yards. Suffocating effort from that Blue Devil group. Magnolia got their second win of the season over Tyler Consolidated 22-14. This was a tight game for much of the contest. 15-14, to Magnolia led it, but they sealed things and put it away on a Jason Beisel 46-yard touchdown run with just under 8 minutes to play. Beisel had 9 carries, 120 yards, 2 touchdowns, and John Mike Nichols on kept on the kickoff last week, I think, talked about Beisel and said that if he was on a better team, he would be talked about a lot more in terms of being one of the area's best players. And We heard some whispers about him last year, but last year, that team had just so much trouble moving the football that you're not going to get any attention there. Magnolia's won a couple games this year. They're not world beaters by any stretch. They play hard in every game. They only trailed St. Mary's 14-7 to to the half. They're just outmanned. They don't have the numbers on their roster to quite compete with the big boys. But in a game with Tyler Consolidated, a team that's also had their struggles, more than competitive for Magnolia, and they get the win. And it's the second straight week where Jason Beisel has really shined. He was able to shine on offense last week a little bit against St. Mary's, had a couple nice runs, and then this past week against Tyler Consolidated, again, nine carries, 120 yards, not bad stuff for Jason Beisel and the touchdown that sealed the deal. Hunter Throckmorton for Tyler Consolidated had a big night, 14 carries, 168 yards, including an 81-yard touchdown run to get a big portion of that, but the Silver Knights really did not get a secondary threat going to go along with Throckmorton, and in a game like this, a tight game, you really needed someone to help take the pressure off of Throckmorton, and you needed somebody to help share that load and be someone else for that Magnolia defense to key in on, uh, and a night where you have the depth edge if you're Tyler Consolidated, not by much, because the Silver Knights don't have a lot more numbers than what the Blue Eagles have, but if you're trying to get a little bit of an edge there, where you could possibly run some more bodies out there, and they just weren't able to get anybody to click, and that might have been their shortcoming in this game. Magnolia, you gotta go back to Wetzel County. This may be the final game they play in the regular season. Again, this is the second to last week before the playoffs, so Magnolia probably not going to get a playoff spot with their record. Let's just say that. The COVID metrics are jumping off the charts right now in Wetzel County. There's an outbreak at a nursing home that's helping spike things, plus there is some community spread outside the nursing home, probably related to that outbreak, but at the same time, outside in the community. So all of Wetzel County schools have inter-distance learning this week. Extracurriculars not happening at most of those schools as of early this week. So Tyler doesn't know if they're going to play this week because they have Valley this week. So they're looking for an opponent. They still don't know as of the time we tape this what they're going to do. So it affects Tyler Consolidated as well. So Tyler will have St. Mary's left and then maybe they pick someone up this week. Good. They'll have until November 28th to pick up a 10th game. So that's a possibility as well. But as far as Magnolia goes, they might be a team that if things get better there by mid-November and they want to play 10 games, they certainly have the leeway to do that. But 
by then, you know, our, our guy's not looking to wrestle or play basketball. So the more I talk to people, the more I wonder if some of these schools that have played eight or nine games will look to add that 10th week. I thought maybe they would as a chance to give some of the younger players reps, but talking to some of the coaches, it seems like they would almost prefer to move on from this season if you're not a playoff team and get guys back in the weight room and develop for next year there rather than just having varsity reps, even if all you play in that 10th game is younger guys and seniors. I don't think it's quite the given that maybe I thought it was last week that teams would look to go back and play those 10 games. I think if you're a school that's played five or six, maybe you look to play a couple more. I think that's definitely a thing that we'll see happen in the first couple weeks of November. Teams that didn't make the playoffs but maybe played four or five games will try to have more of a season for their communities and their kids than what they've put forth so far, what they've been able to put forth so far for those that don't qualify for the playoffs. But there's going to be a lot of eight or nine and maybe even seven game seasons this year just because some schools might have had enough or might be ready to let those kids do other things. The COVID metrics may stop Magnolia's season for good by the time all said and done and all extracurriculars in Wetzel County. Maybe they come back after the playoffs have started and, and get another game or two in. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Certainly thoughts in the Wetzel County community now focus on things other than football because they have issues to deal with right now that are other than football that are off the field and hopefully they get the COVID numbers back down to where they need to be and hopefully the people in that community stay well. They're good people up there and you hate to see that in a nursing home and it's spreading in the community. Either way, you certainly hope that the metrics come back in line with where they need to be. Let's take a look at the Ohio playoffs. Fort Fry and River both moving on. The River Pilots get a 49-13 win over Eastern. Four touchdown passes from Brody Lolithan. Three of those to Michael Johnson. He had five grabs, 135 yards in that game. They also had an 85-yard kickoff return touchdown for the Pilots. They got a Chase Lawrence pick six, so you like that in the playoffs. Offense, defense, and special teams getting points. So River moving on. They get a 49-13 win over Eastern, and they will play their old familiar foe, Shadyside. That is going to be a whale of a ball game. Shadyside and River in the postseason over in the Ohio side. And Fort Fry advances. Fort Fry rolls over Afrocentric 51 to six. They will host Barnesville next weekend. So Barnesville in a regional semifinal there for Fort Fry. Warren is done. Their season comes to an end. Their playoff run at least comes to an end after a 26 to nothing loss to St. Clairsville. Back in the regular season, Marietta defeated Cambridge 35-21. to They had three touchdown passes from Reese Gerber to Tony Munoz in a connection that if that team had a better record, probably would be getting more attention, but they're probably one of the better quarterback-receiver combos in the area, and they're having a big season. Glad that they get to keep playing the 3-6. and six. It was the first win for head coach Jason Schaub over Cambridge. Marietta will finish up their season this week as they visit Coshocton, and that'll be their 10th game. They went to the playoffs. They didn't win in the playoffs against Wilmington, but they finished their season, and their kids have had a chance to play. That's a young team there, and Marietta's got a chance to have something special when they come back next season, and now with a playoff trip, even though Everybody gets a playoff trip. They still have that experience of playing the big game and playing in a game with those kind of stakes. And, and you don't forget that and, and the way that those juices flow and what you would do different if you had a second chance at it. And they'll get that chance next year. The playoffs might go back to normal. Ten games and then the playoffs and only a top eight make it in your district. At least if you know what that feels like to get there, that's driving motivation all the way to next year. Schedule changes for this week and there are some doozies. As we said earlier, PHS will stay home. Instead of going to George Washington, they're going to host Jeff 
Jefferson, so an extra home game for the Big Reds. Williamstown may have taken the cake this week because they have booked Wheeling Central, and I've been told recently that that game was originally scheduled for Wheeling Island Stadium. That's going to move to West Family Stadium on the campus of West Liberty University. I broadcast a few games there. That is a nice, nice facility. So Williamstown fans that are able to go to that, you're going to be treated to a great experience. It's a little hard to get to because you got to go out past Ogilvy on Route 88 and watch for deer. If you're from the Williamstown area and you're headed out there, you will see plenty of deer as you go out that way. Be mindful of that and be careful on that trip. This is not a trip that you're going to be fumbling with a phone if you're driving from the point where you leave Elm Grove and go out 88 toward Ogilvy. Leave your phone alone. Your eyes are going to need to be glued to the road and make sure you don't hit any deer there. But again, great facility Williamstown gets to play and a great game. Wheeling Central. The Maroon Knights are on the outside looking into the playoffs. If they don't win this game, they've got a tough task to try to get into the playoffs. They need this win to get in. Williamstown wants this win badly to try to shut Wheeling Central out, who may be the best team in the state right now, in many opinions. But Williamstown also wants to get this momentum back as well. They've had two off weeks. They weren't planning on having those weeks, but they responded very well to the last off week as they played St. Mary's the week after the unexpected bye following the Fort Fry game and dominated that game from start to finish. And now they, they come in with a couple wins under their belt and a bye week. Boom, here they are again with Wheeling Central. That could be bad news for Wheeling Central. And St. Mary's will not be able to play Ravenswood this week. Kind of weird that those two teams aren't playing because it seems like it's been a long time that those two teams have played every year. But St. Mary's has gone to another blast from the past. They have resurrected their rivalry with Frontier, making it work with Russ Morris's Cougars. They're at 5-3 and three now. Their playoff run is over after they lost to Shadyside two weeks ago. So they're back for more in the regular season. They have this one they can play, and they can play one more week if they are able to find somebody and, and play that last one. If River gets knocked out this week, then I would think Frontier and River go ahead and play. You finish off on a, on a high note there with both of those schools in a rivalry, but St. Mary's and Frontier, nice to see those two schools getting together. As the crow flies, the two schools are, what, maybe a couple miles apart, if that, especially now that the new St. Mary's High School has moved that school all the way up the county. That's a par 5, a par 4, and a par 3 between one school to the other, if you could make a straight line from the two facilities. So, this is a cool matchup to see happen. Great for those communities and for the people who are going to want to see that game. I hope that a lot of people were able to get into that game, able to see it. But again, cool that those two schools are playing a resourceful way to make that work during a pandemic. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Earlier this week, I had a chance to sit down and talk with a couple area head coaches. First, Williamstown head coach Chris Beck as the Yellow Jackets are set to take on Wheeling Central this weekend. Coach, at this point of the season, you've had two bye weeks. Tell me about how weird that is to have two bye weeks like this in a season and how you've handled that. So it's certainly unexpected, something that you really didn't plan for or we didn't plan for. But how we've handled it is every week you got to get better. If we're getting ready for a game or not, we got to get better. So for the bye weeks for us, we just focus on ourselves, trying to work on fundamentals, what we're trying to do. Uh, when we lift that week, we'll probably go a little heavier. I mean, typically we lift at least a couple times a week. And the game weeks, you, you got to go a little bit light, but you can actually stretch these guys out a little bit, if that makes sense. Have them put a little bit more weight on, challenge ourselves in the weight room. So we want to get better. And for us, that means it's working on our technique trying to get stronger, trying to sure up some areas of deficiencies we know we have and making sure that they don't come by us in the butt down the road. So, I mean, every week for us, the two weeks we've had off, 
Our kids have been resilient, had a good attitude, come to practice the right way. We've actually had both bye weeks, pretty decent practice weeks uh, overall. And they've been spaced well. Going into Wheeling Central, how did this challenge come about? And has this been a motivating factor for your players this week? It will be this week. So this bye week's a little bit different in regards to the last bye week. We knew we had St. Mary's. So, I mean, I'd be lying if we if I said the week before or the bye week, yeah, we focused on ourselves. We threw a little bit of St. Mary's in. At this time, we didn't know if Doddridge could get to yellow. I mean, we thought that was a possibility. So we still prepped. I mean, even though we're working ourselves, I think you got to have the kids' attention. And for us, last week, that was Doddridge. Uh, we kind of shifted gears on Thursday, Friday. Thursday night, it was kind of apparent when you're looking at the data that Doddridge wasn't going to happen. Uh, so then we kind of shifted to Friday, starting to get ready for Central. It came about, me and Coach Young had talked earlier in the year during a bye week. Uh, I think the first bye week we had our COVID cancellation. Now, you got a game, but for like on Tuesday or Wednesday, he might not have had one. He called me like middle of the week. We said, hey, if we match up in the future, you know, let's try to give it a go. On Monday, I had uh, pinged him actually last week and said, hey, we think Dodgers are going to get there, but if they don't, is there any interest in your guys' part? I know you're open. Uh, so that's kind of when the conversation started for us with me and Coach Young, and then we got through some logistics as far as who's going to go where and what day we're going to play, but that really took a lot of steam uh, Saturday mornings when we really got moving on. So to replace a Doddridge with a Wheeling Central, I'm sure from an intensity standpoint practice, there's probably not much of a letdown because, well, Doddridge is good. Wheeling Central's Wheeling Central. Three-time defending state champ. Most successful Class A school in the last couple decades. I don't think anybody can argue with that with the championships they won. Our kids had a really good day of practice yesterday. Really good day. Easy to get their attention. We look forward to this. When it comes to Central, there's a couple schools of thought. Some folks won't play them until they have to. I think the proof's in the pudding. That hasn't worked out well for a lot of teams. They're not going anywhere, and they're still going to be in the playoffs. So you may as well see how you stack up to them. Our guys are excited for that chance to go and play these guys and see where we stack up. If we want to win a state championship, which is always the goal here, these are the kind of teams you have to play and see where you're at. I, I think it's great. To, I mean, no matter what happens this week, I guarantee you this, we're going to be better on Saturday than what we were Monday. And that's the end goal for us. We'll be better Saturday, win or lose, than what we were Monday of this week. I guarantee that. Was it about this group or any Williamstown group that relishes that challenge? If you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. The Rick Flair type of reference there. But <laughs> our kids want to be the best. And they know there's no shortcuts to that. There's no shortcut. You can't open pray that somebody else beats somebody. You need to go out there and do it. And that's the way life is. You can't run away from challenges your whole life. you got to stand up to the bully, so to speak. Not the central's a bully, but they're the big guy on the block. And if you want to take that guy down, you got to step in the ring with him and figure out what's going on. And we've never shied away from that. I think our schedule, this will be the fifth regular season in a row we've played them. Now that we've gotten back on the schedule, and um, it lets us know where we stand. It lets you know there's no guesswork. We're playing the best team in Class A. Let's, let's see how close we are to that mountaintop and what we need to get better at. We've touched on defensive playmakers a little bit in one of our conversations earlier this year. Are you finding guys on defense that are stepping up and becoming playmakers, and who do you have that's filling that role? Defensively, Lee Woodmless is playing at a very, very high level. Lee Wood's done a whole lot for us. He's got a bunch of TFLs, a bunch of sacks. Uh, the teams have to be aware where he is and remove him around week to week, series to series, game to game. He's been really, really good for us. Uh, Brady Ankrum in the middle, him and Ricky Allen are doing a fabulous job cleaning up over the top for us. On the back end, T.J. Billingsley step up, and he's made a few plays, has a few picks. Uh, really proud of Ashton Wasmer and how much progress he's made in the recent weeks in the, in the secondary. Uh, Maxwell Melissa, before he got hurt, was really developing their 
player at safety. We got we finally found a home for him to really utilize his talents. So those guys kind of stand out to me. It's in the defense overall, where we were against Marietta week one to where we're at now is definitely night and day. I think we've gotten so much better, and hopefully that continues, and we're going to find out Friday night how much better we've got. Offensively, you knew you could run the ball on most people this season with a line and with the guys that are coming back, but the passing game really started to kind of come together a little bit more for you in your last game. Yeah, so the passing game has been a point of emphasis for us to get better. We know Brayden can do it. We have the most confidence he can do it. Simple fact of the matter is, skill position-wise, we're starting to fresh one. A sophomore and other sophomore, we do have a senior in there who's never played receiver before. It's just taken a while for those guys to gel, figure things out. Thank goodness we had the guys up front to kind of buy us that time offensively until we got to where we're at. But we're, we're gaining confidence in the passing game every week. Uh, Lewis Goodenow, Maxwell Melissa, Kent Waggle, Caleb Stansberry, those guys are developing. To be honest with you, our pass blocking is either what we need to be. We had a senior group, but pass blocking, we had some deficiencies in our protection schemes. We've tried to shore those up. But yeah, we're happy where we're at with that. No one's ever got a mistake us for Mike Leakage offense, throwing the ball six. 60 times, but you know, if they want us to put 10 11 in the box, and we know we're going to see cover zero Friday, we're going to see 11 guys within seven yards of the line of scrimmage, and we know for us to win, we're going to have to make a few plays in the passing game. Still a pirate mentality, but not throwing the ball around, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're not uh, we're not going to be there. I mean, in West Virginia high school football, I think you have to run the ball to make a run. Because eventually you're going to be in a game, especially in Class A. At least this has been the case. There's always that one playoff game. The rain's pouring. You're on a grass field, whether it's a Greenbrier West, down at Midland Trail, or wherever you end up. There's going to come a game in that playoff round where you have to ground and pound to win out. And uh, I... And that could change with as many turf fields as we're getting, but that's not been historically the case. Yeah. Hasn't happened yet. Right. What's the biggest thing other than a win you want to see on Friday? What do you want to accomplish? What will satisfy you outside of winning the football game? Win is number one goal, obviously. Uh, If our kids play as hard as they can, as long as they can, and put our best foot forward, I'll be happy. As long as we get better and play the best of our ability, Win or lose, I'll be happy. I mean, Fort Fry, if we play those guys ten times, I think they probably win nine, nine times, if not all ten. But I don't feel we put our best foot forward that day either. I don't think they're 42 points better than us. So I just hope we go out and play the way we're capable of playing. Let's see how it shakes out. We're playing a really good team. There's only so many chances you get against a team like this. And, well, for, actually for us, this senior group's 0-4 against these guys. Three regular season losses, and we lost two in the championship when these guys were uh, sophomores. And they've seen them probably more than Class A schools have seen them, but I don't care what the SSAC rankings are. This is the number one team in the state. We're playing them. We got a chance to knock them out. You got the champs on the rope. Can you take advantage? Woo! (laughs) Exactly. That's all the motivation for me. I mean, yeah, I just don't see a way they make it if we happen to pull off an upset. And if that happens, I want Coach Moat, Coach Hot, Coach Burnside. They all need to send me a thank you card uh, if they don't make it. Christmas is coming soon. Yeah. Uh, what kind of basket would you most appreciate? I'm kind of a Reese Cups guy. Ooh. No, I mean, I say that jokingly, but I think all those guys will tell you Central's in the top two or three in the state, if not number one. You would be doing them a favor. Yes. We're excited for the challenge to see where we stand. We'll see how it shakes out. Well, very good. Good luck tonight. Off topic, Reese's eggs, pumpkins, or Christmas trees, which is the best? Eggs, for sure. Eggs. Actually, I like the old, just the Reese Cups. 
and I like to put them in the refrigerator. They're, that's Ooh. when they're the best. But Reese, like, like the miniature cups or the bigger cups? Uh, the miniature ones. I like the miniature ones, but the eggs are really good as well. That is the correct answer, by the way. Perfect chocolate to peanut butter ratio. Yeah, exactly. My daughter uh, sometimes gets Reese cup eggs, and um, been known to steal a few every now and then. But you know, we're we're excited, excited to go play. Uh, a, a really talented. Very well coached football team at their place. Uh, it's actually going to be at West Liberty University now. They just Ooh. changed that today. So we're going to play an amazing facility against a three-time defending state champion. Uh, I don't know what more opportunity you can want us to play. That's Williamstown head coach Chris Beck. A couple things worth noting. I really like the whole mentality of how to be the best, you've got to play the best. And I like that he said you can't ignore Wheeling Central. They aren't going anywhere. I think there are a lot of teams that try to pretend Wheeling Central doesn't exist. They don't play them until they have to. And because that they're ill-prepared to play teams like Wheeling Central. There's a reason you don't win these games, and maybe you lose in the short term, but over time, if your program becomes accustomed to playing a Wheeling Central, it's not a big deal for you to do that. This will be the fifth straight year that Williamstown has played Wheeling Central. You might not win all those matchups. You might not even win most of those matchups, but if you win the ones that count, a.k.a. the state title games, then you're doing just fine. And also, I like what he said about how you've got to run the football in West Virginia high school football to go deep into the playoffs. This is not a state where we play the majority of even the playoff games on turf fields. And as he said, especially in Class A, most of the Class AAA schools have turf fields and a growing number of the Class A schools do, but many do not. For all the schools that do have turf fields, you're inevitably going to go to that place in the playoffs that doesn't and that game where it's rained all day or all week and it's going to be a mud bowl for the playoffs. So again, a very cogent thought there from head coach Chris Beck of the Williamstown Yellow Jackets. Also visited with head coach Nathan Tan of the Parkersburg South Patriots as we talked about how the Patriots have spent their by week and how they plan to pivot as the season winds down. What'd you do last week? Practice football. A lot of kids got rested up and healed up some and we'll probably be more healthy this week than we have been all year. For a 1-6 team, you have a lot of talent on this team. Is there a potential to go be a giant killer these next couple weeks? Yeah, I think so. I think if we're able to put all four quarters together and play to our potential, I, I think we could. But in order for that to happen, you gotta you got to execute for an entire game. Struggles early and struggles stopping the run. A lot of the same problems lurched up again against Morgantown. Morgantown, they come out and just hit us in the teeth and just physically we didn't really respond how, how we should have and I think there were a few times we were outmanned and when I say I'm not really talking about in regards to toughness, I'm talking about just pure strength. You know, they, they had some guys up front that you know, just weight room this per se. A team like Wheeling Park that's going to come in with more of a pro-style offense, do you think they're going to look at how you defend the run and maybe be more run-heavy than they might normally be? I don't think so because if you watch and scout Wheeling Park, they run the football extremely well. That's a misconception from some folks when they see a spread offense. They think, well, they, they're right. finesse. They want to throw the football. Not anymore. Not in today's game. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. They're, they're trying to spread you out. To mm-hmm. You know, it's a numbers game. They're going to try to get six guys or less in the box and, and try to hammer you that way. They're really good up front. That's the MO every week. You can't stop the run. It's going to be really tough to win. So we're going to have to do our best to do that and kind of see what happens from there. What are the things you focused on on and off the field last week? On the field, we got several other guys' reps um, within our competition periods. And I say competition periods, we, we competed pretty much the entire practice every single day. I thought that kind of bred more effort, you know, out of our kids. And I think our kids had a lot of fun doing it. I had several kids, they're like, 
Man, I liked how we switched it up this week. It was a lot of fun. We're kind of going into this week and doing a lot of a lot of the same things we did last week. And like I said earlier in the interview, we're a little healthier. I think mentally it was nice for the kids last week. They got a little bit of a break, and we're just trying to keep it as positive and as fun as possible right now. As a result, do you see a looser team and maybe a more comfortable team this week and next? Yeah, I think so. In regards to the word loose, when people hear loose, they might think undisciplined. I don't think right. that's the case. I think our discipline has gotten better as the weeks have gone on. If you look at penalties and stuff like that, that's, that's improved immensely. As far as confidence and stuff, I think we were able to earn some confidence last week, and I think it'll carry over into this week. What's the most important thing you'd like to see short up coming into this week? Man, I'd like to be able to run the football. And defensively, I'd like to be able to stop the run some. Aside from that, we need some guys to step up and just simply make plays. I'm not saying play out of their mind by any means, but just win as many one-on-one situations as possible. Wheeling Park's quarterback, Bo Heller, has thrown 18 touchdowns, three interceptions. How do you force a guy into mistakes that doesn't make a lot of mistakes? Pressure. you got to put pressure on him, and you have to cover. A, a guy like Park's quarterback, if you let him sit back and just pick his spots out, uh, it's easy. I'm not saying he's not talented or not skillful, because he is. He's a good quarterback, but from high school all the way to the NFL, you put pressure on a guy, it makes it a little tougher. You look at our at our situation, Sam, he's experienced immense amounts of pressure, and he's thrown some picks, but he's also done some positive stuff too. So we're going to try to put pressure on him. We're going to play some man in the secondary and try to roll like that. This could be a game where you got guys slinging around a little bit because you've got two quarterbacks that can throw the rock a little bit. How do you see this game going? I think whichever team runs the football and controls the line of scrimmage and makes the least amount of mistakes will come out victorious. That's what it comes down to. The blocking and the tackling in one-on-one situations. Is this like a playoff atmosphere for you, or are you just trying to have fun at this point? Um, <laughs> and I don't mean that in a negative way. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't mean like have fun in terms of like not taking things seriously, right. but loose in terms of let's just focus on us and the chips will fall where they may. Yes, that, that is where we're at. Me personally, I mean, I, I'm trying to win every single week, no matter what. Whether we have 11 kids or 60 kids or you know, the best players in the world or not the best players in the world. You know, we're going to go out and compete the best that we possibly can and, like you said, let the chips fall where they lay. Injury-wise, some of the guys that you've had out the last couple weeks, who's back and who's still out this week? Cyrus is back. Levi's still questionable. Aiden Starcher's out. Gabe, he's a little dinged up with his ankle, but he should be able to play. Brent Parkhurst is out. He's out for the rest of the season. Biggest thing you got to do, I'd imagine, run the ball. Yeah, man. That right there just helps everything. Yeah. It, it helps you stay stay ahead of the chains. I think uh, it enables us to play fast how we want to. Man, when you can run the football, it carries over to defense, too. It just helps you control the game a little bit better. That's head coach Nathan Tanner the Parkersburg South Patriots. Parkersburg South hosts Wheeling Park Friday night. Let's take a look at the big games this week. The games on Seven Rangers and Mid-Ohio Valley Radio. Light Rock 93R will have St. Mary's in their second-to-last regular season game as they take on the Frontier Cougars. V96-9 will have Parkersburg South hosting Wheeling Park. The Patriots coming off of an unscheduled bye week. WXCR has Tyler Consolidated if they're able to find an opponent. And if it's the Valley Lumberjacks, we'll have that game still up in the air as of right now. And WVAM, the True Oldies Channel, will have PHS and Jefferson. That's a game added to the schedule over the weekend. Game Games of the week without question. Williamstown Wheeling Central is one to watch. Lots at stake, especially for Wheeling Central. They're in the 20s now in the SSAC playoff rankings that have come out this week. So they need to win this game to get into the postseason, to put themselves in position. Because remember, with COVID and everything, you can't assume there's going to be a next 
next week. Right now, they're in a 20th place tie with Gilmer County. Ritchie County has a good shot to knock Gilmer County out of that 20th place tie. So you got that. But if you're Wheeling Central, you got to go take care of business on the field tonight because you're not guaranteed a next week. No one's guaranteed a next anything in this season. Wheeling Central, this might be their only chance to get into the playoffs. And if you're Williamstown, they come in at a fourth place tie with St. Mary's. Chris Beck was saying that if they win this game, it's his opinion that they'll probably cement a top four spot in the postseason this year. So that means hosting two home games. And that's a carryover from the Terry Smith era. Williamstown places that value, as all teams should, but they place that value on hosting in the postseason. St. Mary's and Frontier is on my radar screen. An interesting one to watch because those two teams used to play every year. Now they rarely play. And because of that, there's some intrigue. These are communities that are separated by the river. But again, as the crow flies, I don't know that you're going to find too many schools that are closer geographically. As far as the football fields go, it's even closer than Marietta and Williamstown. Like if you drew a straight line from St. Mary's High School to Frontier High School, especially now that St. Mary's has moved up to the new building, that's got to be less than two miles, if that. These kids know each other. They go to the same restaurants. They are in the same community together. They patronize the same businesses and the families know each other. They work together. They worship together, all kinds of stuff like that. So this is a fun one to see renewed and a rivalry that I think both sides would be doing well to explore if they could come together and play this on a little bit more regular basis. River and Shadyside, always big when those two schools get together. Shadyside, kind of a measuring stick for a lot of other schools and programs in that part of Ohio that they've been a little bit down of recent years. River's got a good unit. They're very high on that group, especially quarterback Brody Lolithan. Four touchdown passes from him last week, so we'll see if they do big things and we'll see if they make a deep run. If they do, it'll impact front Frontier schedule because Frontier and River, I would imagine, would meet next week if River loses to end the regular season for both. Mentioned Ritchie County and Gilmer. It's a hurdle for Ritchie County. Gilmer comes in at four and three, but that's kind of a fool's gold record. Uh, Ritchie County needs to take care of business, and uh, they would do Wheeling Central a favor if they win. In addition to doing themselves a favor, Ritchie would, with a win, go to seven and two. They're six and two now, but seven and two would probably do a whole lot more to get them closer to home playoff game. Whereas Gilmer County, like Wheeling Central, needs to knock off Ritchie County just to get into the playoffs. So lots at stake there. And then PHS and Jefferson, two schools that don't meet a whole lot. Jefferson coming in from the Eastern Panhandle. Worth watching. Jefferson's 3-4, and four, just on the edge of the top 16. So they need to win and maybe get some help to get into the postseason. Whereas PHS is at 9, and a win helps boost their chances to host a game this postseason. Don't forget, you can download new episodes or subscribe. Download the episodes every Wednesday on SoundCloud or on Apple Podcasts. We'll have a new episode next week as well. Stay with us. We're getting closer to the playoffs. The last week of the regular season in West Virginia, well, the last scheduled week before the playoffs at least, you can still play regular season games after the playoffs start. Just a crazy schedule, but you know what I mean. Playoffs start the following week. A lot to talk about next week, and we'll get to that in due time. Thank you for joining once again. My name is Eric Little. Don't forget, if you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, and otherwise, we'll talk to you next week with a new edition of the show, and until then, enjoy the games, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode and thanks for listening.